Go ahead, open up to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We looked at the gift of tongues last Sunday night. Last Sunday morning, we looked at Jesus ascending into the heaven and then disciples, I should say, waiting in the upper room. Now, what's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? There's a difference between them. I didn't really know this until I kind of got on into my faith walk. But an apostle is one of the twelve. Last week, we looked at them replacing Judas with Matthias. Now, an apostle is someone that has the authority to write scripture and to declare doctrine. Who was the last apostle to live? John, right. Not John the Baptist. He was actually not even an apostle, and he was also pretty early to die. But John the Revelator, the one that wrote the book of Revelation, died around the age of 99 on the island of Patmos all by himself, and he was writing. Paul was an apostle, so really there were almost 13 apostles at one point. And if you count Judas, man, you had like 14 apostles throughout time. Those apostles gave their doctrine, gave their writings, and that has since finished. It has ceased. There are some folks today, and there's different denominations, and not knocking denominations, but when there are denominations where the preacher comes up on a Sunday morning and said, I had a fresh revelation from God, and then goes ahead and gives doctrine, which is contrary to biblical doctrine, you have to believe either the original apostles, which wrote the Bible, or you're going to believe the new guy. So be weary of that whenever you're watching a preacher on TV, on YouTube. Make sure you're listening for good doctrine. What is good doctrine? It's found in the Bible. So today we are going to jump into the book of Acts. We're going to close out chapter 2. We are going to see what was taking place there. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There's a few things that the early church did that I think we can learn from today because we drift from that, from the simple stuff, the basic stuff. A lot of times we make it more than it needs to be. These folks met at First Baptist Jerusalem. Did you know that? No, they didn't. You know where they met? In homes. They went from house to house. They met every day at the temple. These are folks who didn't have to have a big building. They didn't have to have all the stuff that comes with it. They said, you and me, we're believers. We're going to get together. We're going to exalt God. We're going to praise Him. We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to eat together. And we're going to have a good time praising Him. And if you have an issue... I'm going to help you out in whatever it is. 
And if I have an issue, then y'all going to help me out in whatever it is. That was the essence of church. What was I missing right there? The doctrine. And when we get together, we're going to talk about what the apostles teach us. Does that sound like something that you grew up with? Some of you it may. Sounds like a good neighborhood, doesn't it? Like a good community? And isn't that what we all want is good community together? A community where you don't have to be afraid to go out of your house? A community that you don't have to be worried about when you walk from one side of town to another? I mean, that's kind of how we are. Oak Grove is a type of community which is different from where Joe and Laney grew up in. We go to the ballpark. You know what Sam and Tilly can do? They can walk around on their own for the most part. We live in a community where people, for the most part, pretty good. They'll look after your kids. They'll make sure that they're not getting into dangerous situations. We came from a community where we didn't let them off the leash. We literally had those little leashes on them. And they were running all over the... No, that, we didn't have those little child leashes. We lived in a place where you couldn't let them go 15 feet from you. Because you didn't know if they'd pick up broken glass or a drug needle. That was where we came from. Community that we long for, we long for safety an extension of our shelter. And the church in the original days that it existed was that community. If you were hungry, someone was going to show up at your house. That's the type of community that the original church was. You see, there's several things that they did. The first thing was they learned together. What did they learn? The doctrine of the apostles. What is the doctrine of the apostles? Because the gospels have not been written at this point. They had the Old Testament. And you know what they did? They took the Old Testament, they went through it, and they saw where it pointed to Jesus. They got together on Saturdays at the synagogue, and they said, we are now rewriting new Sunday school literature. The old Sunday school literature is done away with. We are now looking for Jesus in all of the Old Testament. And when they found it, they'd say, isn't his grace wonderful? And isn't his grace good? That we could be so wretched and so vile, yet he still came and he chose to save us. And he died a death on a cross for us in all of our sin, in all of our wickedness. He became our sin so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ. And they looked at the scriptures and they searched them out. And they listened to the teaching of the apostles who had that authority. How did people know they could trust the apostles? Because later on we see that they were doing signs and wonders. If someone's laying on the ground dead, and they raise them from the dead, and then they start teaching me about what Jesus did, I'm going to listen to that guy. Because he just did something supernatural. And these apostles had the authority to do the supernatural. They were raising people from the dead, healing sick people, deaf people, blind people. And the people said, I want that. I want what they're teaching because if they're teaching it, I want to be a part of it. Not because they were in search of the power that the apostles had, but because they knew that what the apostles spoke of was true. What was their doctrine? 
There's five simple ones. From the early times until now, there are five simple doctrines that you do well to know. One, Jesus was born of a virgin. Two, He lived a sinless life. Three, He died a substitutional death on the cross for you and me. Four, He was raised from the dead on the third day. He literally died and He literally was raised from the dead. And five, you're coming back again. You could say that they believed in the Trinity. You could say that they believed in the inerrancy of God's Word, but that's going to come in time. At this time, they didn't know those things. They learned together. Here's what else they did. They loved together. These are folks who said, we're going to sit at the apostles' feet, we're going to take in all that they teach us, And I'm going to love everyone here with me. Y'all remember in school, your classroom size, maybe it was 15 kids, maybe it was 25 kids. But there was always that one girl, that one boy that nobody liked. That was me in my class. I'm just kidding. People, for the most part, got along in their class. And they were just learning reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? How much better would that relationship be with one another if you were learning about Jesus? If you were learning about God who created you and you were learning that you were created in His image and the people in your classroom were fellow image bearers of God and you were learning to love them in spite of how they may have acted at recess or on the bus, and you were learning to love them in spite of how they used to act. You were learning to love them. Imagine if we came together and we loved each other as we learned about Him. Some of y'all are like, we do love each other. But I mean, what would happen? What would really happen if it went beyond little clicks, beyond your family click or your friend click, and it was bigger, and then eventually it grew and your love for others went outside the walls of this building. And you love those who are in Christ. We got friends that are Presbyterian. I can't love them. They don't think like I do. Yeah, they do. For the most part, you have everything in common. What about the folks at the Assembly of God Church? I can't love... Yeah, you can. But they don't think like I do. Yeah. But for the most part, you have everything in common with them. On those five major things, yeah, you got that in common. And you have even more in common. But what do we do? We draw up these lines and we say, not going to cross these lines. Tell you what, I look at some Catholic friends that I have and I realize how crazy their services are. Like I sat through one and I went, I am so glad I am not Catholic anymore. I'm like, this is wrong, you know. They pray in a Mary. That's wrong. But do I believe there are still Catholic folks that are saved? Absolutely. Just like I believe there are Baptist folks that are saved, and there's Baptist folks that call themselves Christians that aren't. God judges the heart. It's our job to get into the Word and to know the doctrine. Get into it. See it, know it. Are you going to disagree with some folks 
from different denominations about stuff? I would hope so. But can you do it in love and in respect? Yeah, absolutely. They loved each other. They fellowshiped. They ate together. They shared communion together. How many times a day do you eat? Most people going to be what? Three times a day. Imagine if one meal a day or one meal every couple of days you spent with someone that was outside of your normal family that you would eat with. Would you get to know that person better? Yeah. Do you know the best time to disciple people about the Word of God? It's probably when you eat, if you can. Schedule a meal together. Peanut butter and jelly, slap it together. Be cheaper than what you could normally eat. Have that time together, that fellowship together. You can break bread together. Peanut butter and jelly bread, right? You can break that together. Now, what does that phrase, breaking bread, mean? I had to look it up. It means to share that brotherhood with someone. It goes beyond eating. It's that communion with them. What's communion mean? It means joining together. Having that communion with someone is so highly important within the church. You want to know why? Because it's the essence of what that fellowship is. You know what we do as churches? We don't do that. How many of you are going to take part of the Lord's Supper and not have a fellowship with anyone else outside of your little family group? And that's not how it was intended to be. Communion with God Communion with other believers. The next thing that they did was they prayed together. When you've learned together, when you've loved together, when you've eaten together, it's easy to pray together. I don't know what to pray for. You will if you spend some time with folks. This is what that church excelled at. This church that was born out of the book of Acts was more than just to come a sit down, a look at, a hang out for 35 minutes, hope we're done by 11.30 so I can get my spot at the Mexican joint. So much more because they did all the other things. What were they? They learned together, they loved together, they ate together so they could pray together. When you pray for people, it's amazing. And it's hard in our culture. When someone lets you in their shell to know how to pray for you, you're in their world, and it's an honor to be there. And it's an honor to pray for those folks. So try to be more honored with the folks that you go to church with. Honor someone by letting them pray for you. Here's the results from doing those things. Fear came upon every soul. Why the fear of God? These are folks who are looking at dead people get raised back to life, blind people getting their sight, deaf people hearing again. That was awesome. And they knew that these apostles were serious. There were signs and wonders that were done. The other result is that they spent time together. They went to the temple. They were educated by the apostles together. And then what did they all do? They ate together. You know what we do on Sunday nights? We have our time together in the Word, and then we go and we eat together. The kids run around and play. 
We have a men's group going on at that time. We kind of morphed one into that. Women's group going on. That is biblical. Take part in it if you haven't. Then we see that these people had everything in common. Wait a minute. They had everything in common, Tony? Some of these people were loyalists to the Roman army. And then they got converted. Some of these people were poor Jewish people that were zealots that wanted to fight against the Romans before they got saved. But what did they have in common? Christ was their everything. He was their life. This part's scary, y'all. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them to those who had need. Is that a scary thought for you? It was for the rich young ruler that we talked about a few weeks ago. Went to Jesus and said, how do I inherit eternal life? And he looked at him. Jesus gave him the answer. Go and sell everything you own and follow me. The guy wanted to make it about commandments. Look at what I've done. Look at how I've acted. I can go to heaven. And Jesus was like, no, you got to sell it all. Because if there's anything that comes before me, you can't follow me. You can't have me. Jesus said this to other guys. He said, you cannot follow me unless you're willing to be homeless. You can't follow me if you're going to put your family above me. You can't follow me. Unless I am number one in your life. And right here, we see the apostles teaching and the spirit of generosity overcoming these people, and people are like, you know what? She needs something, I'm cutting a check for it. He needs something, I'm going to give it to him. And they all did that. We have so much stuff in our world. It's scary because can you imagine giving something that you had to take a big loan out on and give it to someone else to keep? You can't. You wouldn't. 99% of you in here would not do that. You want to know why? Because you don't know what that person knows. You don't love that person like you should. You don't eat meals with that person. and You don't know how to pray for that person. But if the two of you had everything in common, I'm willing to bet, then you would. But we don't know each other like that. Everything in common. It sounds almost socialist, and I've said this on Wednesday nights. Dr. Fumero, church planner, friend of mine down in Cuba, communist country. He preaches something that's biblical, but you don't ever hear it in American preaching. It's lead an austere life. So much so, we don't ever preach that, that I don't even know what the word austere means when he said it. I had to go and look it up. Austerity austere, living a life just above poverty, living a lifestyle that is not in the lap of luxury, living a lifestyle of self-inflicted poverty so that you can do for others. That's what this book teaches. When we hear that, it's scary. Here's what they did together. They met together daily. They broke bread together from house to house. They ate with gladness and simplicity of heart. As they bounced from house to house, eating peanut butter and jellies. That simplicity of heart, it's just purity of heart. 
Have you ever been around folks and you feel like you can't let your guard down because you're worried that you're going to say something and they're going to judge you on it or you're looking to see what they're saying and you're trying to read between the lines? That makes interactions unenjoyable. But imagine if you just sat down with somebody and you could just relax and you could just have a conversation with them and laugh and be okay. That's that simplicity of heart that they had. How we long for those days sometimes. They were praising God. They were having favor with people. Why? Because they were an attractive people to be around. How many of you think you could identify these Christians on the street somewhere? These are the folks that are walking around, 14 of them, all having a good time. All of them are interacting with one another. Smiles on their faces. Why? Because they know that this life doesn't really matter. And no matter what you throw at them, they're going to overcome it because of the spirit that is within them because of what they believe. These are folks that just love one another. They're giving to one another. They're kind to one another. There's not this anger and hostility. They just love each other. The Bible teaches us that the world will know that you are Christians based on what? Your love for one another. They were praising God. These are people who are just walking down the street and they're humming their favorite praise song, their favorite hymn, whatever. And you're going to interrupt their singing to ask him a question. Notice that last thing. The Lord added to them daily. There's about 3,000 people in West Carroll that are in church somewhere, which means there are about 7,000 that are not. And of those 7,000, let's say a few thousand of them are saved, which means there are still several thousand folks for us to reach. Several thousand folks to bring into the fold and to love and to serve and to share our lives together with, to pray for, to minister to. May we not overlook them because we're too busy pursuing our own wants and our own desires.